monopole. Hold on. Is that the punchline? No, mon no, shush. Monopole, aspirational vineyard or disappointing strip club? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that, that's pretty funny. That's pretty good. Hi, I'm Derek Morrison from The Good Wine Shop, and welcome to a special holiday episode of Bring Your Own. Getting into the festive spirit, we gathered a few wine lovers to play Secret Santa and exchange some Venice gifts. Of course, we wanted to put a BYO podcast twist on the tradition with a little blind tasting challenge. Each guest today has brought a special bottle of wine as a gift to be blind tasted by another guest. Joining us for a bit of festive fun today are London-based author, winemaker and merchant Richard Bray, enologist and retail manager Hara Mavramati, and wine car boot founder Ruth Spivey. Special thanks to the great team at The Ten Cases in Covent Garden in central London who hosted us for the filming of the episode. Find them online at www.10cases.co.uk. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a moment to give a review online. Follow us on social media at BYO Podcast and share this episode with your friends. The full video version is available on YouTube and subscribe to the podcast to make sure you catch all future episodes. Hi, Richard. Thanks for coming along today to play a little bit of Secret Santa. Um, why don't you start just telling us a little bit about uh, well, what you do and where you're from? Thank you, Derek, for having me. Uh, my name is Richard Bray. I'm a writer, winemaker, and wine merchant. Uh, I make wine down in the south of France, Collier Banyuls region, so just in between Perpignan and Barcelona. So lots of Grenache, lots of Syrah, that sort of thing. Um, I also I write books. I've written a book on winemaking called Salt and Old Vines, uh, which is sort of memoirs of my experiences winemaking down there. And I, I have a new novel coming out next year. And then uh, I also uh, I work as a wine merchant at Hedonism Wines in Mayfair in London. When did the book idea come, come to be? Did you know that you were... Uh, I, I always did that inspire the winemaking, or did the winemaking inspire the book? No, the winemaking definitely inspired the book. I, uh, I, I, was, I was writing anyway. Um, I had a, an editor who, who wanted me to write a book for, for a new publishing house called Unbound. And we'd been throwing ideas around for a very long time. Uh, and then in November of 2011, I'd only been back from Harvest for about a month, but I was still in quite a lot of pain. Uh, 2011 was a very big harvest in the Roussillon. It was very difficult. Uh, everyone, everyone sort of threw their toys out of the pram at one point or the other. And we're basically just, just sick of grapes. <laughs> And uh, I got back and I had a month of people saying, oh, that must have been so lovely. I'd love to just go down and make wine in the south of France. It must be so idyllic. It must be. And it really isn't. So the whole point of the book was, I, I was explaining this to my editor in a, in a G-chat, because this is a long time ago, <laughs> and G-chat was still a thing. Uh, and I was, we were talking about book ideas, and I was just like, oh, I'm you know, still recovering from harvest. I'll, I'll get back to the drawing board. Uh, it was like he was like, "How was harvest?" And I was just like, "Well, it was it was actually really brutal," and just poured out a rant about how it's not as idyllic or or post picture postcard as everyone seems to think it is. And he basically wrote back, "So I, th I think I think you just worked out what book you're going to write for us." So that's well, basically what the book is. You get it right from right from the from the outside of the book too, which is kind of basically shattering the myths of this romantic uh, holiday. But, uh, but that's, that's the thing, right? I mean, everybody thinks of it as this kind of romantic, idyllic kind of, uh, you know, retire into the sunset and, and, and nurture the vines, but yeah. <laughs> without kind of getting the, the amount of actual back-breaking work goes into it. Yeah, they, the, and the thing is, the, the reality is actually in its own way, really kind of romantic in its own way, but it's not, 
you know, it's 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 certainly not the the image in most people's minds. So, well, so going back further, how did you how did you get into wine? I mean, it was totally by accident. Um, I was supposed to be doing a postgraduate at St Andrews University, where I'd done my undergraduate. Uh, I was a medieval historian, and in the year between finishing my undergrad and starting my postgrad, I got a job at the local wine merchant very, very good independent wine merchant, which is still there, by the way, called Luvians. Uh, and I never started my postgraduate degree. I've been in wine ever since, and that was 17 years ago. Did, was there like a particular bottle that kind of triggered it? Uh, not Oddly enough, the, the particular bottle that, that sort of sealed my fate was, was a fair few years later. I'm inherently a nerd, and so having something new that I could be nerdy about and learn more about uh, I found that very appealing. But in terms of sort of eye-opening wines, I think the first time I had really great sherry was one of them. Uh, but 1997 Musigny from Jacques Frederick Meunier, uh, that was, that was the, the bottle that was just like, all right, I'm stuck. I'm not going to do anything else now. Yeah, that would probably cross, <laughs> that, that would bridge a few gaps. <laughs> yeah. So Richard, uh, we, we want to do a little festive thing, so we did a, set up a little secret Santa. You brought a bottle that's going to be tasted. Um, we've got uh, lovely wine here from, uh, I think if you just look at the tag here, this is from Hara. Hara's your secret Santa. Awesome. Um, so this is completely blind, so if you want to go ahead and pour yourself some and let's dive into the wines and uh, okay. see if we can have a little bit of fun. So I'll pour a little bit for you first. Excellent. So it's white. <laughs> Quite reductive winemaking style. It's a bit of that struck match. Sulfur in a nice way. Color's quite bright, quite sort of yellow gold, a little bit of green. Quite juicy, creamy, so full mallow. Well, this could be anything, really. <laughs> um, so I think this is old world rather than new world. Um, oh, wait a minute. It could be new world. If it is new world, it would be something like South Africa or cold climate California. But I think I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking old world. But if it is new world, it's new world with an old world sensibility. It does not sort of bright, full of sunshine, fruit. I mean, it's super saline, but there's, as you said, when you're saying about mallow, there's something obviously giving it some a nice creamy texture on the palate. But then on the, 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 aroma, the aromatic profiles really can send you in a lot of different places because you've got, you've got some really interesting kind of fruit and, and also kind of like plasticine kind of yeah. um, um, aromatics, but then it's also got this herb Herbaceous, but in like a there's almost a fennel or yeah. As I was getting sort of like almost like pine fennel. sap or something yeah, like yeah. that. I think it's quite young. Um, I would say 15 was hot pretty much everywhere. It doesn't seem to have a huge amount of heat to it. Um, so I would say it was probably either 13, 14, or 16 rather than 15. I don't get like overwhelming ripeness from it. I'm gonna stick with old world. Uh, I'm going to say it's not Spanish. I don't think it's Italian. I'm, I'm erring towards France. But if it is French, I have absolutely no idea where in France it's from. Mm. 
like there there are aspects of it that could be young Loar Shannon. Mm-hmm. Um, there are aspects of it that could be. When you say when you say Loar Shannon, what what makes you think that? Is it the the mineral profile, or is it like the? It's it's what, the, what's it's it's more that sort of slightly beeswaxy texture, the mm-hmm. mouthfeel of it. Um, but it doesn't have that sort of limey citrus. The, the citrusiness isn't isn't that limey, and that pine resiny thing is is really sort of. It's kind of playing like I don't know why it's so pronounced in the way I'm tasting it, but it's it's really good. By the way, I think I should yeah. Should give a, what do you, do you a like qualitative? I, I I do. I wish if, yeah, this is your Christmas present, Richard. There's something that makes me think Sauvignon, as well, or like I think everything that you're saying, all of the things you're picking up in the wine. Are exactly what you should be picking up in the wine and I think it's confusing you for the right reasons there's a reason it doesn't make sense for those regions okay so what you're saying is that this is a, a Shannon and Sauvignon blend from South Africa or something like that no it's still, it's still old world oh, okay good you're not too you're not too far so I'm saying this is French from 2015 it could be Gascony would it help if I told you it's not French? It would make me feel like an idiot, but yeah. If it's not French, then it's totally Greek. And it's like an Assyrtico. It's a delicious Assyrtico from, from Santorini or something like that. Let's reveal. Okay. Open your present. I'm excited. It is, well... Something you lose... A, Aidani Vasaltis, probably wait. It is Greek. It is from Santorini. But? But it's, it's not a Sertico. It's Aidani. I've never heard of Aidani, so I feel like a pass on that. Yeah, it's like, it's like several Adonis. <laughs> Which on Santorini, I mean. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, this is a. Uh, it's so, really nice. I like it. Well, so these guys, I, they're, they do an Assertico from Santorini, and it's absolutely stunning, actually. They, they just won, uh, got a lot of rec- recognition for their last vintage. And, cool. Um, One of only 700 bottles. Cool. I like it, and uh, I'm very excited. It's a new grape. I don't know this grape. It's very exciting. Thank you very much, Hara, for, uh, for the present. I'm excited to, to continue to explore. Aidani? Yamas. <laughs> Hi, Haro. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Um, why don't you take a minute to tell us a bit about who you are, what you do? So I'm Hara Mavromati. I'm currently the so- store manager at the Good Wine Shop in Chizik. Great job. I know. Uh, I used to be a winemaker, enologist, but I think sales uh, attracted me mostly. So here I am in London now. And you brought a wine for, to share with uh, the Richard. The, can you tell us a bit about the wine you brought? So the wine that I brought is a typical wine from Santorini, but it's not the most typical that you can imagine. It's not a Sirtico. It's not for making Richard be uncomfortable or uh, (laughs) make it more difficult for him. But uh, Aidani is um, the most uh, underrated, I think, white grape variety. Everybody knows uh, a Sirtico. Obviously, it's the dominant grape variety of the island. But Aidani also can represent Santorini, and also in the appellation of origin, it goes up to a 25% maximum okay. in the blend. 
It usually gets blended with uh, Sirtico. That one is uh, 100%. Uh, 2015 was for Vasaltis Vineyards, the first vintage they ever released, Aidani, and wines in general. And uh, it's a wine that uh, ferments um, spontaneously. And they leave it with the leaves in the tank for like four months without batonage. As a grape variety, it's quite um, creamy. It gives that uh, typical petrol character that you find only in the terroir of Santorini. And it's for me really, really characteristic. And yeah, if, if we have to speak about terroir in Greece, I think Santorini is the terroir. Mm. So how does Aidani contrast a bit to Assertico maybe for people who know Assertico better? Aidan is a bit uh, lower in profile. What I would say is uh, more aromatic and it has definitely lesser acidity. But it yet it manages, as we've seen with the wine, to represent the terroir. Mm, I mean, that minerality and petrol character that you feel and you find in the aftertaste is definitely the terroir of Santorini. So where have you made wine? So I started in Greece, where I come from, and then I moved to Italy for uh, studies. And then after that, I decided to travel around the world to gain more experience in winemaking. So New Zealand was one of the countries, amazing experience. United States in Arizona, extreme climatic conditions. Yes, they do make wine in Arizona and uh, in London, outside London in Tenantibur, uh, for a bit of bubbles. Anywhere that you would want to go back to, especially? Yeah, I think New Zealand. Yeah? Yeah. Why? Um, I really like the mentality they have. They're really good workers. Uh, in matter of terroir, no, I would go back to Santorini. Oh, I thought you were going to say Arizona for the terroir. <laughs> no. <laughs> when did you know you wanted to be a winemaker? Um, that's a tough question. Uh, I always liked wine. Uh, wine was always on the table. Um, I think I fulfilled at the end uh, my dad's dream. Your parents, your family, anyone else in wine? No one. I was the black sheep of the family. <laughs> um, Ruth was your secret Santa, and so she's brought this wine. So do you want to give it a go? Sure. Give a pour? Pour on a taste? Let's see. Okay, that's a red. Nailed it. Not very dark in color. I would say that it is a wine that is really familiar, but yet in the same time, I'm not sure. Mm. It always happens with a blind tasting. It has a very good acidity. A nice concentrated fruit. A touch of sweetness and very elegant tannins, I would say. I could say that it is a Bordeaux blend, but it's too light mm. for being such. Are you getting some ideas about maybe varieties or plays? For some reason, I would go to Grenache. Mm. But again, the color is very light. I would expect it uh, deeper. It has a bit of bread character, but very, very light. It adds a bit to the complexity. That's why I would go to that side. Do you think old world or new world? I think it is old world and traditional style. The thing is that it's a very light wine, like it's quite fresh. And I wouldn't say that it comes from a hot climate region. I think some of the, the, the aromatic, the fruit, the fruits in the aromatic profile is kind of darker, 
fruits that you feel a bit more on the nose. Kind of comes trickling in the back when you're... It's a very elegant style of the mm -hmm. wine. Not quite rustic, but traditional, as you say. It has this really nice... I find it's a very traditional and that uh, it has a little bit of barrel aging, sure, but it is very well integrated. Mm. It gives me also almost that uh, cherry liquor character, mm -hmm. but very, very light. In the same time, and a bit of chocolate, dark, but... You're flirting with it. You're flirting with the grape. Based on the it's a blind tasting, you know. Yep. So it's not Barbera, it's not Grenache. I wouldn't say that it is a Pinot, though. Mm -hmm. For example. Uh, this, this grape is equally famous in the market, in an old world region and in the new world region. <laughs> so you, so you but Seriously? really, there's two, but like two places. Mm -hmm. One is old world, one is new world, and that's... I would say nowhere else. This is very light in body, that's very light in you, that's color. That's what's throwing you off about this one. Yes, so that's would. why I cannot uh, place it exactly somewhere. If I just say one word to you, I hope it will give you the... The clue. Rhymes with Shmulia. Puglia. <laughs> is it Primitivo? Or also known as... Zinfandel. Could be. I'm used to Zinfandels like though more... Uh, undrinkable. Undrinkable. No, we've had... Uh, with more body, more texture. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it, it makes sense now, but yet not convinced. Yeah, because it has this... It's really elegant and has this really wonderful freshness, I think, that throws you off. Is it a Californian Zinfandel? I don't know, why don't you unwrap your present? Let's see. Yeah, it could be Zinfandel. Oh, Joseph Chuan, indeed. Yeah, makes sense. So it is the Zinfandel from Joseph Chuan Vineyards. It is in the Russian River Valley, California. 2012 vintage. So what do you think of the wine? I really enjoy it. Tough for a blind tasting, I would say. Yeah, I didn't cross my mind that it could be Zinfandel. Mm. I mean, I can get because Russian Valley is quite a colder climate region within California. And I can see that it can come from there. Mm. But yeah, very, very elegant uh, wine. Thank you, Ruth. Cheers. Yamas. <laughs>
it was just, I saw, a, well, hopefully what was a gap in the market. Um, there wasn't at the time, there's a lot more wine activity going on now with lots of pop-ups and tastings and much more sort of engagement, but there was nothing really at the time that I thought was a really fun event for consumers that helped people buy wine really easily and change their buying habits. They could have, there was other things that you could have a great experience, but not necessarily change your buying habits, which is what, you know, you need to do, hopefully. So, and it was just, and there wasn't, I, where and I don't think there is much now just solely for independent wine shops as well there was there's many cute many great shops full of amazing wine full of amazing people who work there as well with lots of knowledge which you don't get that in the supermarkets at all so so I just kind of thought they need that get everyone in a in a car park and no, get drinking <laughs> so, yeah. well that's a good kind of segue why don't you tell us a bit about the wine you brought for Hara today and uh, why you brought it um, I brought a, a Zinfandel from Joseph Swan Vineyards in Sonoma in California um, <clears throat> it was funny because actually I don't if someone asked me a great red grape variety I don't like or would sort of get rid of I, Zinfandel would probably be up there <laughs> generally um, but that is obviously that one's obviously definitely an exception and brilliant winemaker um, and really beautifully made um, I used to I say Zinfandel was one of the first grapes I started to drink when I um, used to buy wine from corner shops and so uh, yeah got, got into uh, drinking that and it was I saw a um, I thought I'd had like I found my wine in the corner shops so I was like oh, yeah, I've got into wine I know what I'm doing now I've got my bottle I go and choose <clears throat> and um, and then one day I went to get the same bottle again feeling really confident like I'd sort of sussed out the whole wine thing it was really easy now and the bottle tasted really different I was like, Shut up. I think that's, that's, I've been, you know, that's it. I've, I've got to start from scratch again. It's actually quite tricky. Looked at the labels and there was vintage change, which admittedly at that level of wine, it was a gallows in Hadel. Um, red, obviously not uh, white or blush. That's, you know, not that bad. But um, so, yeah, and then and, and admit, obviously like from a corner shop, there's probably not really a vintage variation. It was probably faulty. Or they left it out in the sun. <laughs> but, but it made me feel something. like, oh, look, there was something. So, And then I'd been reading um, an a encyclopedia about wine as well. My brother was into wine, so he had that. So it kind of started piecing things together. So through a sort of like very low level, not particularly nice Zinfandel that was probably faulty from a corner shop. But it sort of was one of the giant things like many, many years ago. I don't buy wine from corner shop anymore, obviously. <laughs> so... <laughs> I think that kind of happens for all of us, though. When we start out with wine, something sets the intrigue. And, you know, most of us think we're pretty embarrassed to talk about some of the wines that we first used to think were fascinating. And oh, I, God, yeah, absolutely. The worst is when you start buying them, and then you realize that, you know, 10 years later, you go look through your store, like, I can't believe I own that. And, you, and you saved know. it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I used to drink. The other one I had, I was really into Banrock Station when I first started drinking, which I liked. has some rede better redeeming feature because it's... It gave some of its profits to environmental causes and things, but but I because that was Shiraz Mataro and they did a Petit Verdo. So so when I went, I went into an independent shop once and they said, "What do you normally drink?" and I went Petit Verdo, and they thought I was really you know really expert. They didn't know it was Banrock Station. <laughs> so but they gave me a lot of time and they were like, "Oh, you know your stuff. You drink some interesting grape varieties." So um, so yeah, so it's funny how yeah, but so that's sort of if you everyone has to start somewhere. Yeah. So and so why did you? <clears throat> So why did you bring this one? Oh, so this one basically, yeah, so it's sort of, I know that everyone was sort of um, asked to bring something that had some sort of meaning to it. So it's a wine that I, it's probably one of the few Zinfandels that I, I drink now. I probably drink more old world wine than new world as well, but they, um, you know, have been making wine for, you know, 50 years in a sort of slightly more hands-off, slightly 
um, more restrained approach. Um, and it's, I always think it's quite nice to revisit these kind of guys who started that movement. The newer, younger people get all the credit, and so they should as well. They should definitely, you know, be rewarded for that of, of things. But there's definitely, obviously, some of these guys, um, you know, started things off. So, um, so yeah, I just think it's one of those ones that it makes goes to show that you can make great wine out of probably any grape, but it's just how it's handled. So, and awesome labels as well. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was just a bit of a, so the whole Zinfandel thing has a backstory of corner shop wine and plus it's, you know, and it's just, you know, it's a beautiful um, example of it. So, cool. so yeah, so that's kind of why I brought that. And I hoped it wasn't too, it's sort of, it's interesting and a little bit tricky, but not a complete dickhead wine to bring to a blind tasting. Well, that, I mean, I think as you said, I mean, yourself that like, there's not too many Zinfandels that you think to reach for to take home and drink. And so... Um, I think it's often we can get caught up with negative impressions of wines, and so this is a really good wine to challenge that. And I think it. Uh, um, yeah, yeah I think that. yeah, I think it's good. Everyone should, you know, you should always keep drinking lots of different grape varieties as well, you know. And everyone's palate changes, and you know, it's like we were saying when you go back and revisit some of the wines you liked five or ten years ago, you're, you know, you sort of think, God, what was I thinking? So, no, no, but no. it's good to keep keep going with that, and that's a, one of many beautiful things about wine, obviously. I always say that I'm, I'm agnostic about things that I don't like, waiting to be proven wrong, you know, um, and because um, you know, we never know everything, but uh, we're always open to surprises. So for your secret Santa tasting today, it's from uh, Richard. Um, we've got a, this uh, beautiful white wine, but we've actually been decanting it, so well, let me just pour you a little bit. And I'm already looking for clues now, the shape of the bottle, why have you decanted it? <laughs> Which is probably a, a bad, bad thing to start. Cheers. Cheers. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Well, that's delicious. Can I just say that? <laughs> it's one of those delicious wines. Um, it's pretty big, isn't it? I'm trying to rifle, th think back through what I've seen Richard drinking on Instagram recently. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my first thought was a Chardonnay, lots of oak. Um, I hate that it like it used to, maybe because I used to drink really like obvious wines from countries and cheaper, horrible, slutty new world wines. So they were always big and the old old ones were always, but that, you know, that doesn't really stand anymore. Um, oh, it's a big wine. Yeah. No, it's big. It's oaky, rich, quite a deep color. So kind of burgundy shaped bottle, but that doesn't really help. There's loads of wine in those shaped bottles. I don't reckon it's, if it's new world, I reckon it's Californian. I think it's a Chardonnay. It's oaked, obviously. Is that, yeah, I think, yeah. I'm getting oak more than anything. I'm not getting a huge amount of aromatics off the fruit. Cool. If you warm it up in your hand, I think it's good. It'll start to reveal a bit more. I think it's barrel fermented and barrel aged. I mean, maybe it's New Zealand. I don't think it's Australian. Maybe it's New Zealand or Californian or French. That's still a lot of land mass. <laughs> no, so if it's, if it's um, from... Each of those places, yeah. where do you where, think, where, where, if it's from places, France, where yeah. do you think it would be from France? A Merso, just, yeah, so maybe Merso, Burgundy, uh, what other? a Russian River Chardonnay, um, can't even think where now, in. I'm trying, I think it's relatively young as well, like maybe five years, in the last five years. If it's French, then maybe quite a fat year. Maybe a 12 or a 14. Um, I wonder how good it would be though. I mean, would someone give a whole bottle of something really epic to me to blind taste when they could drink it themselves and just give me something cheap? 
I mean, I would do that. <laughs> well, I think if you ask the winemaker who makes this wine, they'd probably say it's quite an epic wine. Okay, oh God, I don't want to go, yeah, so let's, so it's not Jacob's Creek. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go a Burgundy, a Merceau, in the last five years, producer, I mean, I'm not, yeah, I wouldn't have a clue that, I mean, it could be anyone epic, so... I don't know, I could be like, maybe it's Christmas, maybe Rich is feeling really generous. Like, I don't know, a Lafon or something. I mean, he's a nice guy, Richard. He drinks nice wine, he's got good taste. I would've taste. swapped it out if it was a Lafon, maybe. <laughs> Just saying it for Richard some, brought this for some uh, house wine. <laughs> Jacob's Creek <laughs> Reserve. I reckon it's Burgundy. Uh, I'll say Merceau. And where are we, 2017? I reckon four years old, three to four years old, or in the last five years. Is that specific enough? Is it right enough? If I can give you a hint that it's... <gasps> Is it a Kistler? Maybe something like that? I totally I'm get just it. Just trying to think, yeah. It's not Chardonnay. Oh, piss off. Are you... That is so annoying. I get why... Is it not? No, it's not. But it, I mean, don't tell me it's fucking Riesling or something. No, 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 no. No, you're very, you're really close. It can't, and it's, don't, it's like Sauvignon Blanc, I'm gonna lose my shit as well, cause that's, you know. Is it Chenin? No. No. Further like, south, is it Roni? Is it like a no? It's, it's not floral enough. Condria, Marsa. It's not what Condria like. It's it's really oaky. Marsa. I'm trying to think. Where, okay, so if it's because it's so big right, and I'm rich, I'm trying to think of it as big, rich, tropical. Where, where else in France well, could it be from? Like Long Provence, Languedoc, Roussillon. Is it his wine? That's why. He, I mean, he's an epic winemaker as well. <laughs> where Languedoc, Roussillon? I'll tell you what. It's not a, you're It's ready French. Reveal, oh, it's French. Open your present whenever you're ready. I'm gonna be so annoyed. Richard drafted really well. Oh, this is gonna. Oh, I haven't. I don't know this wine at all. It is Anna Ruth, it's your wine. Oh my god. Nice. I wouldn't have guessed. Well, I I didn't guess Roussanne. I wouldn't have guessed Roussanne. No, I didn't. Wow, that's a whole, this is a whole new discovery. Amazing. I don't know this project very well. So if, is it brand so new? So the or? Constellation wines, I think those are the, top, those are the, that's the top wines that they do. That's quite a good name as well, <laughs> given the fact I said Chardonnay. <laughs> is this my Constellation prize? It's pretty good. It's a pretty good <laughs> Constellation secret, prize. It's your secret Santa present. No, so what a lovely label as well. So Richard, you also brought a bottle of wine tonight for somebody as a secret Santa, uh, for Ruth. Can you tell us a bit about the wine you brought for her? Yeah, I brought, uh, so I brought a wine that I helped make. Uh, it's the Juliette uh, Roussin Sauvage, which is a wild ferment Roussin uh, from our best plots of Roussin in the, on the Mascristine estate. So Mascristine just sits just outside the Collier Appellation, so it's Côte de Roussillon. Uh, but it's still quite a lot of that schisty couleur terroir uh, overlooks the med, so it's a it's a, it's a big Roussin, um, uh, ripe but not over overpoweringly. So we try to get as much out of it we can. We think it's a, a great example of of just how how well this particular fruit can perform uh, in that particular terroir. Uh, so thanks everyone for coming tonight. Um, I really appreciate you celebrating the Secret Santa 
theme with us, and so I wanted to bring a Secret Santa gift for all of you from the BYO team. So, uh, and in the sticking with the fashion of the episode today, um, we'll uh, have a little blind go at it and see what uh, see what you think if we can figure out what it is. Oh, that's like a Christmas wine, though, isn't it? It's all spicy yeah. and big, and just where's the where's the fire? Where's the presents and the tree? A bit belated. Bit bready, but in a uh, in a warm in, in a, yeah. by the fire kind of way. In a way that nice tannins. It's, it's tannin. not annoying. Yeah, really the winemakers will drink. It, it would only be <laughs> annoying if there was a, a really pedantic winemaker there being. I can't just get past bread. That's like I had a joke. What do you call a man who works in natural wine? Brett. That's it's a wine joke. What do you expect? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> it could be from a Roussillon red. It's kind of got that sort of violety, wildy. It's a bit not not volatile in a bad way, but it's kind of all a bit sort of nervy. It's got really quite a lot of tannin, but really fine. It's like a high class, like a posh rustic. Yeah, I get, I, I get that. I no, get that. it's not Should refined we... and soft and delicate and like a sort of, you know, but it's kind of, it's a bit gritty, but really fucking delicious and, and proper wine. Super well made, um, I think. I mean, I, I could go that down. It's like a winter session wine. Yeah, easy drinking. Yeah, there's, a, there's almost like a mall spice garib to it. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking Southern France. I think, well, yeah, I can't, I don't think I've tasted a wine like that too much from another, from not Europe. Um, and I think French more than Italian, maybe Italian or French, not Spanish. So uh, you say one variety? Probably. Not a brand, brand. Maybe a blend. Uh, if, it, if, it, if it's a blend, I think there's some Mavedra mm. in it. Um, but I don't think it's like only Mavedra. Mm. I can tell you it's a single variety wine. Okay. Could it be Italian, North uh, Northeast Italian? Ooh, not a bad shout. A bit mountainous, some sort of me- meaty dolomite. Yeah, there's some, there's a, there's a real dryness to the tannins that I wasn't sparing in my first sips. I can tell you that the. Do you want me to tell you the soil? Do you want me to tell you anything? What, what it is? Actually, it's not going to be in No, no. Tell us the soil. Like it's going to be like a kind of clay, limestone, and schist. Clay, limestone, and schist. That's weird. That makes me think it's alluvial or uh, somewhere post-glacial. If you're going to get all that rain. Who makes? I know I shouldn't look at the bottle, but it's a really slightly strange shaped bottle. It's quite thin, isn't it? It's not. If you can, if you can figure out the grape variety, then that'll probably single or or blend. Single. Single. Sorry, you said that already. Sorry. It'll put you too long. I'm tempted to say Sangiovese, but not from Tuscany. Yeah, could it be? Uh, to be honest, I I, I'm, I don't know that dryness of the tannins that came out. I I'm 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 kind of with you on the Sangiovese. Because trend. you said Italy, I couldn't place it in Italy 100, percent but not even Is in France. Is it too for a Is it Sangiovese? Yeah, that's exciting. Okay. Harakai kind of said that, but I'm going to claim it as a team goal. Yeah, no. yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to say that it's Sangiovese in the sense that we're talking about all the different types of Sangiovese. I'm just oh. acknowledging it's one of them. So, if we're in Tuscany, okay, we are we Tuscan Sangiovese, and we'll try and pin it down to, or not necessarily. Where else is Sangiovese really grown? I mean, like really, really grown. I mean, some people would say Australia. 
but I don't think it's not. I don't think it's one of those Australian we're, essential basics. We're in the right. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the right neighborhood. Is it a uh, Emilia Romagna Sangiovese? Is there something that's a bit grown there? I don't know, I'm just thinking of. Be, I'm basically just saying places close to Tuscany. But it has a lot of facilities and very great vitamins that I would place it to Emilia Romagna. But I'm not sure I'm, I've had something from this particular appellation, uh, DOC or DOC. I would be tempted to say Tuscany, but not in the same time. If we stick to Sangiovese, yes, but. Not in the same time. So where, if it, it's so... Corsica? Is Sanchevese when it's going in Corsica? Are you thinking, because I was thinking, that was what I was thinking when I first smelled and tasted. The color's very dark, it's very meaty. It's very dark and if you see the rim is quite... Pale. Yes. It does have that herby, sort of like wild volcanic-y, angry... Burvy, sort of like tingling around. That's thing. why the schist that uh, Derek mentioned before in the soil gave me that thing. That well, you've got sh- you've got a, like occasion- a little bits of schist, but it's predominantly more limestone. So I mean, you're getting a lot. Of, you're getting really hard soil. That's obviously going to add a really hard layer to accentuate the acidity and the tannin. It's like it's got personality. It's got opinions. This wine. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, and it's less bready with every sip. Yeah, yeah. it's just tearing off. So I. Is it a monopole? <laughs> no, there's... There's none of them in Italy, is there? Sorry, I keep forgetting. There's a winery on Santorini <laughs> that literally could have been the monopole. Mono- is, so is, yeah, uh, is it? Because the, the Gaia Strip... The, is it the, the Tuscan strip. monopole? <laughs> the, which, which winery is it on Santorini that mm-hmm. used to be a strip club? <laughs> don't pretend you don't know. <laughs> I don't. No, him. Harvey's like, hmm, that's not a thing. Is it it Gaia? Yeah, it goes in the street club. It goes a club, yes, beach club, let's see. Beach club, is that like beach club? (laughs) In like, yeah. Back to the Sangiovese. Yeah. Okay, Sangiovese. I now know when someone goes, hey, do you want to come to the beach Beach club? I might, you know. (laughs) I might say thanks, but no thanks. Don't worry, I'm drinking. Grazie, non grazie. Oh, no, that's it. We're talking about Greece, aren't we, in Italy? My, I can only really speak a bit of French. Yeah, in Greece, they don't do Sangiovese, I think. Not yet. I think this is Corsican. I think it is Corsican as well. Derek? They're getting thumbs up. Why don't you do the honours to unwrap the Christmas present? Oh, it's double wrapped. It's double wrapped. Come on. It's like extra sunshine. <laughs> Drum roll, please. It's uh. I feel like I'm stri- yeah, stripping the bottle. Well done. There we go. Twenty thirteen. Clue. There we go. New wine for me. So, so tell us about the wine, Derek. Is this is this a favourite of yours? So this is the Closing the Dore um, Patrimonial Rouge um, from Corsica from the Patrimonial Sea. Um, it's uh, there in the Padre de Leto um, area of, of Patrimonio, which is up in the mountains. So a bit higher altitude. Um, I think it's around 350 meters or 400 meters or something like that. But it's uh, 100% Neluccio, which is the you know, Corsican um, name for Sangiovese. Neluccio. Neluccio. There you Neluccio. So, well, so, so uh, Close Signatore yeah. is a producer that we work with, uh, Christoph Ferrandes, that we, that we bring into the UK. So I'm glad that you nailed, uh, found your way to it because uh, it's one of my favorite producers that we work with. And um, um, I just think his wines are really exciting. It's kind of like 
vinified like a Brunello, but in patrimonial. So it's uh, you know a couple a couple years aged in um, demi muids and and um, big old big old barrels um, like old Burgundy barrels. But it's uh, yeah, it's uh, um, there's hardly we don't get much Corsican wine here. I've had I mean I've probably seen. Three or four max on the shelves, like you get, or an independent shop might have one or two. I mean, you might have more if you. Yeah, we this we buy his directly, and we were lucky to 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 get an allocation from him. And um, I just think that the wines are stunning. He does this, and he's a bit of Vermentino, and um, I just thought it was a great kind of Christmas wine to, to show because it's kind of like, um, I mean, Corsican wines are they're, they're you know they're premium, they're really interesting, unique wines, and not a lot of people know them. So it's kind of a bit of a challenge with presenting new premium wines in the market, why? but I think relative to, say, Brunello, it offers a lot of great value. Value. Why do you think, I mean, I'm sure that Ireland makes wine at all different price points. The ones that come here, obviously, I know, you know, why import wine that, you know, like, but why don't we sort of get the full range over here? Those ones we tend to always be in the sort of least 10, 12 pounds, but probably close to 20 well, before you even get, to, you know, so. To be honest, I mean, he doesn't make a lot of wine. I think he makes 2,000 yeah. bottles or maybe less than 3,000 bottles of this a year. Do those so, lo the local people who maybe make, um, locals who make a lot of wine, and they do, is it just it's domestically consumed, I, so we don't get the sort of, what would be 12, 15 pounds on the shelf here, we don't get it. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I mean, of course, like in wine industry, it's quite a, it's pretty vast uh, and massively contrasting different regions as well. I mean, even within Patrimonio, I mean, you've got, You've got some lower um, lower elevation wines that I'm sure are a lot more quaffable than some of the stuff that's up in the mountains on harder soil. Mm. So this isn't really beach wine. Um, no. You know, if you're on a Corsican holiday, this <laughs> yeah. isn't probably what you're reaching for with with fish that's been with freshly your, caught that yeah, day. But no, of um, but what I you know I, I think I was reading something earlier even about like Thomas Stevenson has said that you know the wines from Patrimonio should be drank within one to three years of of vacation. And it's like, you know, yeah. this is a 2013 and this old, wine yeah. has been decanted for hours and it's just, a, you know, just, just starting to, yeah. you know, it's really nice. just a, a wine that's obviously got a long life ahead of it. And then, but Christoph's wines, I think, are just fascinating. He's working with a really kind of, um, you know, he's certified organic, but working in a kind of a, a minimal, he doesn't, everything's kind of natural fermentations, mm. um, you know, old, old barrels, really trying to kind of age the wine as opposed to flavor the wine with oak. And then it's got uh, um, just a, nothing added until, you know, some sulfur bottling. So he's just really trying to make transparent wines that reflect the uh, patrimonial ter terroir where he is in Bode Doletto. And, and um, I've just always been really impressed with his wines. And um, I thought it was kind of a fun yeah. thing, you know, again, for blind tasting, finding some. It has a bit of familiarity. And not in the same time, no? In the San Giovese yeah. kind of uh, element, which leads you to everywhere that you guys were talking about, but then gives us a bit of a twist. And, yeah, and, no, that's, that's you know, always where you can, yeah. What I, what I love about wines from wherever they are or, or whatever they are, especially if we're looking at, you know, um, a new appellation on a grape that we know well, is what does that place say uniquely? And I think that the, the mix of soils... Um, and obviously these are old vines. Gives you a real interesting contrast if you put this wine, and I've done this for tastings, putting it next to a Brunello. Some top Brunello is, you see a lot of harmony in terms of the style of vinification and personality of the wine, but there's obviously a very unique voice and contrast based on that. Um, that, that, that those soils are so powerfully impactive on the wine that I think it just creates really unique, interesting wines. Mm -hmm. so I, and I highly recommend it with a turkey or... It's delicious. That is a really, it's a super Christmas wine, and, and a good one. I think also to take to people if you're spending Christmas with other people who drink slightly more classic wines from classic regions, you could take that. They'll absolutely, they'll enjoy it equally as much, and possibly even more. Maybe they find out it's from Corsica as well. It's just mm -hmm. a, a little interesting talking point than here is another Brunello. I mean, not that 
taking a Brunello is always a good option as well. But I know that's thank you for sharing that. That's, yeah. that's been well a, done. Well know, done to the crew. It's been an education. You guys <laughs> definitely found your way to it anyway. Uh, um, Yamas, cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Happy holidays. Thanks for listening, and if you're feeling festive, please consider giving the gift of a five-star review. Merry Christmas and happy holidays from the entire BYO podcast family, and we will see you in the new year with new episodes and wines to share.